This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. It's not easy. Like, it is not easy. You are going to put your heart and soul into this. If it's going to work, it's time, it's effort, it's money. It's like, do not go into it thinking it's easy because it's not. It is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Let's just go and see the world and just show them what it really means to live life golden. Yeah, we're golden, baby, we're golden. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. How nervous are you? I'm right. <laughs> Do I seem nervous? <laughs> no, nah, you're, oh, you're okay, good, you're cool. good. Okay. I feel um, pretty nervous. So Harl is someone, we actually crossed paths and kind of knew each other from back in the day in, in Port Melbourne. It was a gym, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. We used to train at the gym. And um, I remember all of a sudden just like, I think it was, um, I think I moved away from the gym and, and maybe potentially you had too. And then yeah. I stumbled across South Street and somehow made my way to your Instagram and, and kind of marrying the two. And I was like, wow. Because uh, the clothing's amazing, so congratulations. Um, but you know, we have. All, I, I reached out because I thought, um, you know, just seeing the journey. You know, like because uh, especially over the last two years, you, you know, you, what you do on Instagram, you kind of keep an eye on people and and so on. But I just thought, wow, this thing's really, it's really building some legs. Um, and you know, I obviously reached out to to say hey and and see if you wanted to come on the podcast. But as we went on and, and kind of started talking a bit more, you've got you've got quite a, a story. So I thought, why not we we'll bring you on and and we'll kind of tell that story. But um, what I'll do is I'll, I'll get you to give yourself a bit of an intro um, sure. and a little bit about South Street as well. Cool. So my name is Harley. I am the owner and founder of South Street. Um, also the like the head designer. We've we've now got another assistant designer, but um, design most of the clothes. And I'd like to call myself probably the creative director as well to be a little bit fancy. Um, so sort of I take charge of anything creative to do with South Street. That's me. So the marketing. The website, um, anything on Instagram, um, and yeah, South Street. <laughs> so, 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 how long? How long has South Street been in business for? Um, so it's about two and a half years now. So we launched February nineteenth, I think five p.m. So about two and a half years. Five p.m. Remember, yeah. so, you oh, know, I remember that that night. Honestly, like, there's yeah, that that night that sort of that night changed my world. Let's go there. So let's start there. Like, tell us. Uh, oh, actually, no. We'll, we'll go back to the start, right? So, um, I, we obviously talked a lot about your story, and and do you want to talk a little bit about, I guess, what happened before South Street? So, what what yeah. were you doing before that, and and kind of the lead up? Um, so, whole life, absolute shopaholic. That's it. Like any bit of money I had, it wasn't savings. It was clothes. <laughs> Even to the point where I had absolutely probably like negative in my bank you know you used to have sort of negative ten dollars in your bank and it's us I, we'd, me and my brother would go shopping and I used to say to Sam like oh there's this these jeans can you buy this for me and I'll pay you back as soon as I get paid so <laughs> my lovely brother he would so ever from like ever since from a young age it was always close 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 shopping but I went down the path of science so I studied biochemistry at Deakin University for five years mm-hmm. um, when I moved to Australia and I sort of got the first job out of uni I was so sick of uni at the end of it just sort of no money studying. So the first job, which is in, in IT, that was sort of like a decent paying job. Um, for the first year, it was okay, you know, sort of because you're finding your feet in sort of corporate and you're learning a lot. But um, towards the end, I think I was there for three years, I absolutely hated it. It was very, very, very corporate. Um, very sort of male-dominated environment. And 
it, it just wasn't fulfilling. I wasn't getting what I wanted from it. I always knew I was sort of meant for more, wanted more. Um, I think I got to a point where I started looking for other jobs. I went to a few interviews and actually got accepted for these jobs, but didn't take them. So I'm like, if I, if I take this job, I'm, it's going to be the same. I'm going to be in the same rut in a year later. I'm not enjoying what I'm doing. And that's when I sort of, um, I think that's when I started getting pretty active on Instagram and seeing all the, f- the fashion and Pinterest. And I was like, what would I really want to do? And it was, it was fashion, it was designing clothes. And I remember buying, um, <laughs> this is embarrassing, but buying like a pack of, I think it was like 100 pack of felt tips and like a scrapbook and I just started designing clothes, like drawing, colouring the, colouring the room with felt tips. Um, and then just started, I don't know, it just kind of just grew from there. I stopped, then I started, restarted. And then I think just something inside me was just like, just do it, just just do it. So then I spent literally spent every waking moment just working on South Street until it finally eventually came live. So, you, I mean, I, 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 can we talk about, you know, your previous work history yeah. and kind yeah. of go into that? So you said something, you know, something that we've been pretty passionate about and especially just myself as a, as a male trying to learn, you know, um, I think something that's come to light for me over the last couple of years is things such as equality and, and um, you know, even things like racism, you know, like I honestly, I reckon had a realisation maybe 18 months ago that this, this shit was real, you yeah. know, and, and especially like around females in the workplace and, and equal opportunity, even things like equal pay and it's interesting and it comes from conversations you have with people around you. So, you know, I remember having a, a conversation with a friend of mine and, you know, we were talking about the fact that, you know, he was saying that, you know, how things should be is that the best person for the job should always be picked. And I was kind of like, well, that's not how things actually happen, yeah. though. Yeah, like, because there's biases that come, well, you know, as, an, as, a, as a society, we haven't, that's not how it's been, you know, it's, it's actually, you know, and one thing for me is like, it's, it's, these things have been wired into us from such a young age, you yeah. know, and, and from how society acts. And, and, you know, I think that your story of what you told me was kind of like, you know, that that's – and we spoke to Danielle about this as well, was yeah. like, you know, the experiences that she's had in the workplace as well. So, it, uh, you know, I, you don't have – you can go as far as you want with that, but, yeah, you know, sure. I would love for you to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, no, for sure. So the company I worked for um, – so I think there was a lot of, I went in there thinking there was a lot of opportunity. Um, and I get along really well with guys, don't get me wrong. Like, probably have more guy friends than I do female friends. Um, but the, the company was very, I just probably, I don't know if I can say that, but it was pretty sexist. Um, so in fact, I always wear baggy clothes. It's me, that's South Street. It's very, like, oversized. Um, I used to go to work still, you know, wearing pretty much what South Street is, like baggy shirts, baggy jeans. And the guys would say, you know, you're a female, you're, you know, you're attractive, you should, why aren't you wearing tighter clothes? And it even got to the point where my boss was like, use your um, sexuality to, to get clients, you know, when we go out for drinks, whatever, telling me to sort of, you know, play up to being a woman, act more sexy. He's like, you know, we'd be in a, in a meeting, whatever, and there'd be the, a client and she'd be a female and he'd, we'd, after we'd um, leave the meeting, we'd come over like, can you see how she's using her sexuality, you know, what she was wearing, her skirt? And we'd just be like, this isn't me, this is disgusting, you know, it's, and I think that's, sort of how South Street sided or part of how South Street sided is girls should should be allowed to wear whatever they want, feel comfortable with what they're wearing, feel you know, feel good wearing sweatpants, sweatshirt, baggy jeans, you know, wearing whatever they want. Um, and you know, I even remember sitting in another meeting and it was you know, my tattoos came into um, 
a play as well in the workplace. I remember, I think it was the sales manager and my CEO, and we're sort of it was just us three in a meeting going over sales. And the sales manager started talking about my tattoos, and that that stage I didn't have my hands tattooed. I think it was just my arm. And he made a quite a negative comment. I remember just sitting there, just being like, "I shouldn't have to put up with this this shit." And um, the, I think the the day after I quit that job, I went and got my hands tattooed. And that was like a little victory for me. Like, yeah, like stuff this corporate world. Yeah, I think we've just moved past that as a society. And I mean, like, you know, it's weird because there's so many layers to it. You know, like there's that kind of scenario where it's quite, uh, it's it's quite evasive, right? It's quite in your face. You know, it's quite like there, and you're like, well, what the fuck? Like anyone would say, what the fuck to that? You know, right now. But it's like, I I think for me, the realization is, is like, if I heard that two years ago, I'd be like pigs like or like you know what's going on but then it's like it's more the little things outside of that and and for me there's no discrepancy between the two like just because one's further down the line or for the further over the line than than the other doesn't mean that one should be let go and the other shouldn't yeah, you know so 100%. i think like and that's again like i want to like i want to create awareness around this that's why we, like we want to have the conversation but I think the biggest realization for me is this stuff actually happens and it still happens to this day and it would still happen everywhere. And I think that there's a a responsibility to have these conversations, to talk about these things um, as it relates to these kind of issues, you know, like, you know, women just should not be treated that way. You know, like I think about my daughter or, you know, she's not born yet, but you know, my future daughter daughter, and I go, man, if I could just get my hands on that guy, you know, that, that Uh. person, you know, since having my daughter as well, you know, I, I think sort of what I've seen and workplaces I've worked in, and uh, honestly, it's for her to grow up in this world. It's it's pretty scary, for sure. And then you know, coming back to obviously because you, you mentioned that's how South South Street was born. So, yeah. so you know, obviously, and it's so interesting. Like this often often happens in business. You, you often you you will be extremely passionate about things that have been born from your experiences yeah. you know so for me it was like um you know i went through i was fuck man i was a party animal back in the day when Weren't i was a we kid. All yeah <laughs> but i was day. like so so you know some people can like handle it yeah. you know and then some people for me it wasn't like i would you know drugs and, and party and, and alcohol and so on but yeah. you know more so um I just couldn't handle it, you know. It was more during the week, you know. Like it was like, like you know, they get some Monday and you feel yeah, like and like I just couldn't function properly, you know what I mean. And it would, it would, and and it also started to lead to other things as well, right? But there were certain conversations that I had that allowed me to un- start to value conversations, you know. And then that's kind of what where we are now, you know. It's it's all about conversations that can be life changing for people. Yeah. So, um. What, what, do you want to talk a little bit about those experiences that you went through and how that started to mould? Because you know, I know you mentioned it a little bit, but the the you know the the vision and the story behind South Street. Yeah, for sure. Um, yes, yeah, so I guess it was just extremely unhappy in my in my job, um, and I so I started working on South Street. Started spending sort of every waking moment on South Street, and you know before work, after work, I remember getting off the train, like running back home, so I could get back on. Um, Google and start researching and I remember going for work drinks and just this whole company that was just so unsupportive of, of like your dreams and your desires 
we're going out drinking and I used to um, go for one drink and be like, I'm going to go home, I'm going to start working on this. And they're just, just the shit you'd get for wanting to leave and not wanting to drink. And it was sort of the same in my friend circle. Um, when I started South Street, I lost a lot of friends because I stopped drinking, I stopped going mm. out. And you probably would have known me from <laughs> back in the Port Melbourne days. I was a massive party animal sort of every Friday, Saturday night. Um, and I kind of just, when I started working towards South Street, I just knew there was, there was more to life than just drinking, partying. Um, so I say, started saving everything I had. Everything. I stopped shopping. I stopped shopping for a full year. Um, stopped drinking, stopped socialising. Like literally just put my heart and my soul into South Street. I um, remember being up sort of till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Then I'd wake up at 6, go to work, do it all again. But it wasn't, I wasn't tired. You were just so hungry for something else. Mm. Um, and then I got to the point where during work time, I started working on South Street as well. So whenever the boss wasn't around, I just, I just didn't care anymore. I just wanted out. Mm. Um, and then I got to the point where I was ready to launch. And I think I took that day off work as a sticky and continued to get all the everything ready for the website. And then... Um, five o'clock that five five o'clock five thirty that night went live. I think it's just yeah, just. And I remember you, you having a conversation. You, you mentioned that it was a conversation with your father. Yeah. That actually kind of spurred you to to actually take the leap and go. You know, fuck fuck this. I'm going yeah. all in. So I think. Carl, I'll just get it, move this a little bit closer. Yeah, there you go. Is it alright? Yeah, better. Um. Yeah, it's a little, they're a little bit big. Um. Yes, I think it was a month in of starting South Street and I was I was an emotional wreck. I'm not a crier at all, but I was literally crying every day. I was so tired, so exhausted. My boss, the CEO, he got a whiff that I think I was doing something else on the side. Mm. So he started being a bit of an asshole as well. No, 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 you're right. I was just on mine. Um, and I remember just going to work and I was just so sort of drained from it. And when you first launch a business, like for first launch your brand, there's initial rush because all your friends, your family and everyone, they're all buying. Um, then like sort of day three, day four, the sales just drop and you're sort of waiting all day for a sale and you just feel so deflated. You, it's I can't explain that feeling. It's like you go from cloud nine to just almost being like depressed because you're not making sales. Mm. But I kept at it, kept at it and I remember honestly just talking to my dad every day and he's just like, just keep doing it, just keep driving, keep driving, keep pushing, keep pushing. So I just kept doing it, kept pushing and um, there'd be like times home on the train, I'd see there's eight people active on the store. I'm like, oh my God, there's eight people on the store. I'm just feeling again, like feeling just this euphoric feeling. And then you get a sale and it just be a day made. You just be like, yeah. And then you do it all over again the next day. Um, and then, oh my God, see, I've completely lost where I was going with it. No, no, so you're talking about, um, you know, kind of talking about the conversation that you had with your father and yeah, the, and the early days of South Street. Um, and then it kind of got, so it was a month of there of just pushing, pushing, getting sales. And then it was kind of the breaking point at work. I had an argument with my boss. Um, it, was a, it was a really nasty argument. He just, I remember just bursting into tears, emotional. Um, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Straight away, I call my parents. And dad's never one to say quit or quit your job. He's always like, you know, never quit something until you've got something else to go back into. And at the time, I wasn't making enough at South Street to go out on my own. Mm-hmm. But I think you could just see this, this rut I was in that... I was extremely unhappy. Um, South Street was taking up a lot of my time as well. Um, and that's when I had the conversation with him. He just like, quit your job, take a month off, put 100% into South Street, then start looking for more work. Because at that stage, we we're kind of like, he, even he was a bit doubtful that South Street was going to work at that stage. Mm. You know, it was a lot of work, a lot of energy. And I don't think he'd seen, you know, he'd been involved in the company like that working before. Um, a lot of people want to start clothing brands. And a lot of people 
fail starting brands. Um, so I took a month off and I just put 110% into South Street. And within a month, um, that's when I rented my first warehouse. So I never went back to work for another corporate company. It's amazing. I think it really talks to the fact, and we kind of talked about this before, but like, you know, you've got to really do stuff that excites you yeah. and stuff that you're passionate about. Like, uh, yeah. you know, because, cause, you know, like it, you're, it, you're, yeah, when you said before, like you don't get tired, like it's, it's interesting. Like there's times where I'm exhausted yeah. and there's times where I'm doing the exact same amount of work. I'm doing the, I'm getting up at the same time. And, you know, like I'm going through one of those phases now. Like, you know, I didn't leave here last night till nine o'clock. I was up at 4.30 this morning, you know, got here at about 6.30, you know, and, and I'm like on top of the world. So I think like it really does talk to like your ability to um, actually focus on what you're passionate about, focus yeah. on the things that excite you. And I think like even, you know, your ability to take the leap as well, you know, like, because that's a big thing. Like, I'm sure that you would have been scared. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, you would have been – and and because it's like you studied, what, five years? Yeah, five to, years. You know, to spend two years in the workforce and all of a sudden you're going to go into something completely different yeah. that has nothing to do with what you studied and you, you, you've got to take that risk. And more importantly, without, you know, um, a job or, or like, you know, that support and stability. But sometimes that's what you need. Yeah. Hundred percent. Like I um. What's what do you what do you what what do you what's your vision for South Street from here then? So, you, you know what what was your more importantly what was your vision at the start? Like because because obviously you, there's a certain fashion and and I know you mentioned before about um what the they thought you should wear you know at your old workplace compared to what you enjoyed wearing. So, you know what was your vision at the start for South Street from a you know, uh, a fashion standpoint, but also a, like a philosophy standpoint. Yeah, so it's funny because my first, like my first ever vision, and actually the first round of samples that came in, it was almost, um, it was playing on that that girls should be able to wear oversized and you know feel good with, with whatever they're wearing. Wearing, you know, there's enough pressures in life um, for women and men, of course. You know, without having to worry about what they're wearing as well, they should sort of conquer the world feeling comfortable. But another one of that was when I met you, is when I was like massive on the gym, absolutely loved the gym. Mm. And it was about, because I was so busy as well, it was about um, making a brand that you could wear to the gym and then sort of like wear to brunch, go shopping. Yeah. So it's like what, that athleisure sort of wear, yeah. bit of a mix. And then I got my first round of samples in, which were an absolute flop, honestly. <laughs> like I've still got them at home. I would never wear them. I would never want people to see them, but they're kind of like a little, you know, my little trophy at home. Yeah. Um, and I got them in and then... That's sort of like once you start the process, that's when you sort of learn. I was like, hey, that's not what I want to do. I want to go more into a bit more fashionable, a bit more sweatpants. And that at that time, that's when sort of like the oversized was coming into the UK. I feel like UK fashion's quite ahead of Australia. Yeah. Um, and so the oversized sweatpants were coming in there, so like the boyfriend style sweaters, and that's the, the path went down. And then cited so the samples for them, got the first samples in. They were still horrific, but they were better than the first ones. And I was like, no, I can work with this, I can work with this. And then we did the third third samples um and then that's sort of when i started seeing the vision like this is going to be south street yeah so it's it's funny right because oversized has just gone crazy yeah. you know like yeah. so you would have got in right at the start yeah. I, I mean it's interesting right because there's probably people listening to this that want to get into apparel and i think you, you know without kind of in retrospect your ability to 
kind of look into the future and say, okay, well, this is where I think fashion is going to go. This is, you know, you had an idea, it was from one of your experiences, but you also had to look at something like, you know, UK and go, okay, well, they are ahead of us. Can I bring something like that over here? And, and can we start to go down that path? Definitely. What, what do you think, what are some of your biggest lessons then, you know, across the journey? So you've obviously, you've grown a lot, right? Yeah. So, you, you know, I think you said you've got two factories now. We got we got one factory, um, so one main warehouse, and I've got my own sort of like design creative warehouse, and we've just opened up our first. Sorry, it's our second um, retail store, but we just closed closed the pop up. Cool, and it's in Chadston. Yeah, in amazing. Chadston Shopping Centre. Yeah, amazing. Very exciting. What are some of your biggest lessons, right, in, in business from here on in, and more maybe so in fashion as well? Biggest lesson, probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned, and probably also one of the hardest things for me is obviously I want South Street to grow. Um, but with that, you have to let go of some things. And South Street's my, you know, it was my first baby. Um, and I remember having, again, with my dad, he's, he's my absolute angel. I remember um, in lockdown last year, we are having um, dinner at the table and we are talking about South Street and the growth and everything. And he's like, he could see how busy I was. I was doing everything. I was doing the marketing, the Instagram, packing orders still. I was, mm. you know, um, and he's just like, you know, you're going to have to some, give some of this stuff up. He's like, potentially marketing first. And I remember we actually got into an argument. We didn't talk to each other for a week after that. Um, I was like, I'm, there's no way I'm giving this up. This is my baby. You know, I can do everything. He's like, Harley, well, as the business grows, you can't do everything. Um, and we still laugh about the conversation today because now we've, we're working with a marketing company. We've actually got a marketing girl in, in South Street doing all of that. Um, so yeah, it's definitely letting things, letting parts of your baby go because there's people that are better better than you at stuff mm-hmm. and sort of sticking to what you're good at. Um, and I think it's also that trusting people, so sort of letting go and trusting people that they're going to do the job just as well. Because that's the other thing, like you can you can potentially hire someone for a role, right? But but your ability to you know we were talking about this just before with um, our previous guest Jordan, but your ability to uh, allow that person to self-actualize right so yeah. you know um let them fulfill the role let them reach their potential let 100%. build the environment yeah. that allows them to become their best self and yeah. do their best work and you're speaking and the south street language because that honestly that's that's everyone that everyone that we've employed that's what we're doing we're, we're growing them for the company as well so so what are the so because you've outsourced roles now, right? So is there any particular roles that you – because you've kept some yourself and you, yeah. you obviously like the creative stuff, the design. What, what was the process? Like what was your first hire? What was your second hire? How did you kind of go about that? Oh, I love this question. This is a good question. Um, so first, first of all, what was it? So it was lockdown last year. Uh, sorry, just, just before lockdown last year is when it sort of started getting really crazy. I remember um, – I restocked a couple of products and that night it just went crazy. I remember going to it and saying, like, how am I going to pack all of these orders? Mm. And yet again, my dad, my absolute angel, <laughs> who, um, they owned a business up in Queensland. He dropped everything and he flew down to Melbourne and he started, he just came in just to help me pack, just packing orders. I think it was like 500 orders a day and we're just packing, packing. Um, what a man. Oh, he is, honestly. I, yeah. Isn't it crazy? You know, we were talking about what we're talking about before, right? Where... You know, we had a conversation with Al Roseby, um, CEO of Managing Director of Country Road, and she kind of talked about women embracing other women um, and and what you can potentially help someone achieve by leaning into relationships and and just being there for people and, and helping lift others up. But I often think, you know, and I think about this personally as well, like what's my responsibility as a partner, as a father, 
you know, and, and what can men do for, for women, right? Yeah. Because sometimes that support isn't there. But I think, you know, your father's probably a good example of what, what you can do for other yeah. people and what other people can achieve when you're just 100% in their corner. Oh, 100%. And even like my mum, I give her my credit. So when dad came down, he got, you know, how long was I locked down last year? Was it seven months, six months? Yeah, something crazy. So my dad got stuck down here in lockdown for that whole time. And then my mum, bless her, was up in Queensland by herself. So just honestly, hats off to both of them for for sort of doing that. I think they both found it really hard because um, me and my dad at that time, we were living together, we were working together and it, I think it got four weeks in um, and I said to dad, I was like, you can't live here, like you need to go stay in an Airbnb because we're going to start killing each other. Like, yeah. So we were, like as much as we love each other, we were we were fighting because we were both very similar so we were just headbutting and he's he didn't like the way I was keeping the warehouse because there was boxes everywhere and he tried because <laughs> I was so... Um, territorial of South Street back then he'd try and move a box or label something and I would just crack it at him I was like what are you doing like this is my baby don't touch it yeah um, but we've come a long way since then so it was dead first um, yeah. and I he was probably my first proper employee um, but he was he was only sort of like to help through that lockdown period yeah then he went back up to Queensland and he started just sort of helping like admin wise mm-hmm. um, and then all through as well he's been my my mentor he's my biggest mentor mm-hmm. um, and then when he was down here we hired to fill his position mm-hmm. um which is our beautiful warehouse manager um so she's she's still with us today so we hired her first in lockdown then we hired two other girls and so they they all all three of them have come in really fresh into a brand they've never worked for a clothing brand before they've mm-hmm. never worked um sort of like in warehouse and we're we i'm definitely growing with them so we're, we're growing the warehouse manager one's sort of growing in customer service um, she's now like the retail lead, so she's sort of managing our Chadson store, and the other girl is taking a lead in the marketing. So we actually interviewed her. She was so passionate about the band. I was like, I really want you to work for South Street, and me and her work side by side, sort of creative marketing. And she's never done marketing before, and she's going in the role as well. Awesome. So yeah. I'm really interested in that, right? So, so you when you hired, you didn't. How were you? How were you kind of hiring? So were you kind of like, okay, well. I want to bring people in that I can really connect with and I really want to – I can build a relationship with or do I want to build in people that are highly skilled at what, what I'm looking for? Like how did you kind of go about that process? That's funny because we, we were actually just having this conversation the other day. So we were looking at going down that road of hiring really skilled people um, but then because of how I am, I think Dad's like, I, I don't advise you to hire skilled. I advise you to hire some like passionate people – um, girls who or girls or guys who are passionate about your brand as you are and we sort of just grow together mm-hmm. um, so I'm quite a chilled person so I, I think I can, probably can be a bit of a pushover sometimes and I think mm-hmm. he's worried about that um, so every single girl we hired apart from one in those early days they just sent a random email to info at South Street and it was literally just like a heartfelt email being like absolutely love your brand if you give me a chance to work with you you know righty rah and it was just the emails that, that won me over then we sort of had an interview in the their personality just shone through. It's like, yep, done, you're hired. And the the third girl who actually, we put up a, a CCAD and um, we had all these applicants come in. I think we face-to-face interviewed 10 of them and this girl, we laughed the entire interview. We made <laughs> rude jokes. It was, I mean, just, she left thinking like, there's no way I've got that job. And I just connected with her so much. And it was so sort of, I don't know, it was just, you could just tell we can have an awesome relationship. It was like, she could really go South Street, so... It's so interesting, right? Because I think like the whole conception is is that, you know, you have to have the skilled, you have to, you know, like like we talk to a lot of, like we've talked to a few corporates and it's, 
I think growing a small business is very different. And I think you definitely like, there's more than one way to skin a cat as well. And I, I really like the fact that that's the way you've done it because yeah. it, it showed that it's worked. And it's like really, you know, one kind of common theme is that everybody needs to be in alignment with where the brand wants to go and needs yeah. to be super passionate about the brand. So I, I, I really love that. Yeah. Um, I just think it's, you know, it, it, it can, it's so important. Yeah. And I think as well, because they've been there from the start, they've seen sort of like the first warehouse, they've seen sort of like my mess of boxes and how I used to pack and everything. And they sort of turned it around, they put their own stamp on it as well. So they're, they're really, they're part of South Street now. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that there's that loyalty. They're so loyal to the brand. Amazing. So what's the vision for the future then? So, so obviously, um, <laughs> you know, you, you've kind of seen some growth now and, and, what are you, what are your plans and and some of your, what's your vision for the future and more importantly what do you think what do you think the future of fashion holds so my plans for south street definitely so i never wanted to go into retail at the start i was so adamant online strictly online and then we had this it was actually the girls that were like no we should do a pop up let's do a pop up in chapel street and i was just like no i'm not doing it i'm not doing it i'm too anti social you guys do you guys if you if you guys want to do it you know you can organize another one they bloody well did so we had this pop up on Chapel Street and it went really well and then we kind of got our foot in the door into into retail in Chadson and got offered a shop there so I think since being there I've sort of seen how well it can do and like you can actually meet the customers so I'd love to take the brand to I think New South Wales mm-hmm. is next um, potentially potentially Auckland New Zealand and then I would love to go to Europe um, so maybe look at like a 3PL warehouse first in um, Europe and then eventually sort of take the brand over there yeah, it's interesting, right? Because like, I often think that we're obviously e-commerce, right? Like yeah. e-commerce is the the bread and butter, and at the moment, that's the thing that's working. But I also think like stores are really brand strategies, yeah. right? They're they're ways that you can grow your brand and and attract customers in. Because as much as you like to buy online, you still don't necessarily know whether you like the product or the yeah. fit and the and the so on and. And I feel like that more than anything is just brand, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, if somebody comes in, it's like, oh, like that looks like a cool store or that looks like thing. And then it's like, oh, like South Street, I've never seen those guys before. And and all of a sudden it brings people in and, and people can fall in love with your brand yeah. in that moment. Yeah. And that's, I think stores are going to become more brand strategies than anything in the future. Yeah. Like it's not going to make sense to be purely store. Yeah. You're going to have to be predominantly e-commerce. But I think... If you can strategically grow, like imagine you had a, a store in, you know, the UK, Sydney, Auckland and, and so on and you put yeah. them in these really nice spots. It's like, you know, they're probably going to make up maybe 20% of your business, 30% of your business. But what they do for the brand as a whole and the recognition and, and you know, it's almost like, um, oh, what you know, like uh, where you you leverage off another brand or, or like, you know, artwork on an, in a, in a um, art gallery, yeah, right? It's like, yeah. you know, what makes art valuable is the gallery that it sits in, right? And who's backing it and where you put Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You know, like yeah. I think they did Banksy, Banksy artwork where they were selling, you know, you, you go to any art gallery and you, you're buying a Banksy artwork for 40, 50K and they took the artwork, put it on the street and nobody, nobody, nobody even yeah. stopped. Right, and and then somebody ended up buying it for fifty dollars. So I think like I look at I look at stores like that now. Is I go, you know, they're really great ways to to kind of create recognition and and clarity around the brand and and potentially capture new customers as well. Absolutely, and it's funny you say that as well because we've been offered um, 
store, like a store spaces in, I think Melbourne Central, um, like sort of up at north, Westfields, like east, and we just, no. It's, no. It, we just want to be, because... It, chatty. Yeah, chatty. We want to be sort of like in the prestigious sort of locations. Yeah. Um, and it's the same same in New Zealand, same overseas. I think that's what's going to be hard for me as well, is when, they, when we do sort of go interstate and we do go overseas, it's sort of, you know, not being able to see the store... Um, you know what is it? Um, not because at the moment, f- at, with being at Chatty, you know it's a twenty-minute drive away, so you can just go make sure everything's fine, make sure the products are perfect, whatever. But as soon as it's overseas, it's in someone else's hands, so I'm going to struggle with that. But yeah, well, I mean, uh, I think that's probably where you, you take your business to the next level, right? It's like you know, you, you, it, there's letting go within one factory, and yeah. then there's you know the ability to build that infrastructure out, which you know. Um, Al Roseby, right? Like I, I mentioned her again, but yeah. it kind of you kind of can can see what it what it takes to to manage a business at that level. So yeah. um, you got the product, right? So I think that's that's you've got the hardest part, yeah. and you've done it right. So I think the rest of it's just going to be infrastructure. Yeah. Um, what about marketing, right? So so what have you? Because you said that you you obviously used to do a lot of that stuff yourself as yeah. well still. So yeah. is there anything you've picked up from a marketing perspective, maybe, you know, whether around, you know, fashion and, and apparel and these kind of things that you've seen work really well? Um, influencers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we work with a lot of influencers. Um, one thing I'd say about that is it's not always the the big influencers that make the biggest sort of impact or the most sales. We work with a lot of micro-influencers. Um, mm. They're more sort of trustworthy. They're not in terms of, um, you know, us trusting them, but their followers, because, you know, they've got a smaller yeah. fan base. Their followers trust them more. They're not sort of just a known influencer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting, right? Because, like, influencer marketing, you know, like, it, it's one of those things that you think, like, because you hear people talk about it and we've started to use it within our courses as well and, and like seen massive returns on it, like massive returns. Yeah. So like it's something that we were just kind of dabbling in but we're going to go all in on it now. But um, it's funny, right, because it's something that you would look at and, and most I feel like most business owners and, and you might have felt this at the start too but when you first get into it, you're kind of like, oh yeah, like, you know, might work well for what we do, might not and then yeah. you kind of do it and you're like, wow, yeah. like this really works. Yeah. And and. You know, I, I don't know how you guys go about it strategically, but I would assume that, like, for us, it's it's the best ROI, you know, compared oh, to running ads, compared to, or, you know, the time that goes into organic um, social media, like yeah. influencer marketing and, and kind of being able to leverage off other people's networks is 100% the best ROI. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I remember when we had, I think it was like, we're at 2,000, followers. And do you remember... Um, Oh, of course, you were married at first sight, but it was the season with is it Ennis? Ennis? Yeah, in, Ennis. Yeah, and I actually lo- I loved her throughout the whole the whole um, yeah. the season. I actually really related to her. And I was like, I actually really like this this girl, and she actually messaged South Street, and we were still tiny. And so I was like, oh my god, you know, Ennis has messaged South Street. Yeah, and she wanted a few of our products, and um, didn't want any money, nothing. Just like I like your products, send me some, and I'll send some some. I'll do some posts and stories. And she did, and I think that day we grew by sort of five thousand followers overnight. Crazy! And so, I, honestly, I've met her before. I will forever be thankful for her because she was one of our sort of turning points. She, she got the brand brand out there. It's crazy how how like um, 
some of those minor decisions can have such a major impact. Yeah. Like, you know, for us, it was probably Al, you know, for the podcast, you know, um, that episode, you know, one of our snippets got like 1.1 million views on wow. TikTok and, yeah. and you know. Um, it's funny what goes viral, isn't it? It's it's crazy. Like Yeah, I mean, like we kind of knew that this post was going to go well, but like Al doesn't have a big following in a say, like she doesn't have a massive Instagram following. Yeah. But like... I reckon we had a hundred comments on our TikToks of people that had worked at Country Road yeah. and said like, she's amazing. She's the best person I've ever worked oh, with. Fantastic. So although it wasn't her following that kind of did a lot of that, yeah. it was more so the fact that like people knew who she was and the impact that she had went so far. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's interesting. And then, you know, there's a few others as well, like with our courses that are starting to make some big waves and, and so on. And it's often the people that you just don't think, it's, you know, it's going to yeah. happen, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, we had this this other influencer, and she is absolutely gorgeous, stunning. I'd actually never heard of her before until she matched the page. She had, I think, half a million followers. Um, and we're showing the girls just being like, wow, like, she's a dream. And she actually wants South Street, and she wants it for, you know, um, doesn't want any money for it. So we sent her some products, and we never heard from her again. And this was at the time when I was literally ordering, I think, 50 pieces of one one item. Mm. So, you know, you'd have, like, 10 smalls, 10 mediums, whatever. So stock was, you know, really valuable back then. I remember sending her, I think sort of, made, I think it was like five, six pieces. Mm-hmm. And to me back then, that was a lot of money. You know, that's my savings. Just never heard from her, like nothing. Ended up blocking us on um, Instagram as well. So it's just And that's the tough thing with, with it as well, right? Like that's the hardest part about influencer marketing as well. You know, yeah. you've got to really do your due diligence in picking the right ones. And because and it's like when you first get into it, you're like, yeah, like anyone, blah, blah, blah. And it's yeah. the same thing. It's like people will always promise the world and under deliver. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing that we found too is like, especially for what we do, like with courses, right? Like if somebody doesn't take the course, like you might give them the course for free in return for like some posts and some socials. But if they don't take the course, yeah. you know, you've just like, it's more time, you know, yeah. than for us. But for you, it's, it's like our stock is time, yeah, right? Like absolutely. that's, that's kind of how we go about it. So, you know, influence marketing is this big, enormous beast that can be so great for you. But, um, on the other side of it, if you don't do you do you do diligence, yeah, yeah. <laughs> got that one out. Um, it can really come back to bite you as well. Absolutely, I think that's how um, agencies play a huge part. So they they are expensive. So I think that's an extra twenty percent on top of the influencers' fee. But they are so good to work with. In fact, you know, you, you go through them, you don't go through the influencer. They we you know have a contract in place. You tell them like your. Um, was it, you know, the deliverables you want and even if it's not right, you go back to them, they'll get the influencer to retake the photos until you're happy. So I think it, it definitely does work going through an agency. It's more expensive, but then again, you know, you're going to get what you, what you ask for. Mm, that's really interesting, like, because we, we haven't done that, but um, that might be some insight that some, some people can kind of look into. So there's, there's influencer agencies now, yeah, isn't Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, we work with, I think most people we work with are through an agency and then the, the marketing girl we have... Um, so when I talk to people, I'm very, very, very friendly, and I think some people can mistake that for I'm, like I'm very chilled. So when I talk to them before about doing like influencer posts, they would sort of just yeah, yeah, you don't worry about yeah. it, you know, like <laughs> and I wouldn't set that boundary, so I wouldn't say I need it by this date or this time. So they'd end up posting on like the shittest day possible, the shittest time, you know, like 11 a.m. on a Friday when no one's on Instagram and everyone's thinking about drinking. And so I think having that that marketing, the girl in marketing helping, she sort of sets contracts and she's a lot more strict and. You do need that. Like, yeah. that's one thing that I've realised too is, like, you do need to be really clear on what yeah. is expected and what Absolutely. the deliverables are yeah. and everything, even, like, with your staff. Like, 
you know, you you really have to make it clear on what the expectations are and what needs to be done by what time and and the responsibilities and so on. Because yeah. you would have you would have you would have felt it right when you made your first hires, maybe outside of your dad, yeah. right? You you probably overestimated, sorry, underestimated what you knew and yeah. your processes, yeah. and and kind of just let that kind of roll on and expected people to be able to pick it up like you, and and then it obviously doesn't doesn't it does never occurs that yeah, way. That, that's actually that's probably one of the lessons I've learned. That's a really good point. Um, and even yeah, hundred percent. It, it's definitely like, and and like, you. That's probably something that you know because you're you're growing rapidly, right? So you're probably going through some extreme growth over the last twelve months. Um, so you're probably learning on your feet as well. Yeah. Um. I want to talk about like gratitude, right, for the journey. So. Yeah. Um, how has, like, what are some of, cause, cause you know, you're a mother now as well. Yeah. Right. So, so a new, uh, you know, you literally, um, and is it newly mother? Is that yeah, the right word? I'm so, a new mum. New yeah. mum, right. New mum. So, so, you know, you've obviously gone through some massive change over the last, um, you know, 12 to, to 24 months and, and, you know, you're about to go into this next phase as well. Yeah. Right. But. Um, you know, like what are what are some of the things that you're the most grateful for across the journey? You know, for yourself, for the development of yourself, and um, I actually want to touch on potentially um, some of the changes that are going to have to occur now at being a mother as well. <laughs> I was gonna say one thing. One so before hunting, my daughter came along. It was probably just that that full work. All I did was work. I would sort of right up until the day she was born. It was sort of being at work from 4am till sort of 7, 8pm, there was no life outside of work, no social life. I think very grateful for having her because she's sort of, she's taught me balance. Mm. Um, so it hits like, be at work from sort of 6 o'clock and it hits 3 o'clock and I'm like, I could stay at work but I could, or I could go home and play mm. with Hunty and, you know, give her a bath and so definitely grateful for my daughter um, for sort of giving me that balance and so that the whole new perspective on life, it's not, you know, as good as, as having a brand is, it's not all about work, you know, it's... It's yeah, life isn't just work. What? What? So let let's touch on that then, right? So what what what's been that perspective shift then? So what do you th- like? Obviously, you know. I think bef- so. <laughs> before before she was actually born, so I was heavily pregnant. and I was still just working, <laughs> and we were all laughing in the warehouse. Warehouse, and like straight away, I'm gonna get gonna get a nanny. I'm gonna go come straight back to work. Um, she's gonna have to sort of like work around my lifestyle. That very sort of selfish. Like I had no idea what I was in for sort of mindset. And as soon as she was born. It was just like, she comes first. There's no doubt about it. Salshi will always be my baby, but Hunty is now number one. And I think, um, yeah, that's probably... What do you think, what characteristics do you think she's changed in you then? Right? So, like, so so what do you think from a characteristic standpoint that she's changed in you? I think... God, that's a really good question. Um, Because I I feel the same thing, right? Like, one of the big things for me is... And this is only from a puppy, right? Like, but yeah. it, it's funny because, like, you know, when you're saying that, like, I'm gonna, I'll probably have kids in the next two years, yeah. I, I reckon, or close to. But, yeah. you know, as soon as I got a puppy, I realized how selfish I was. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And and it's 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 not something that happened. You know, you you, you kind of make those subtle changes, but it's the constant realizations, like, you know. And this sounds silly, but it's like, oh, I, I didn't get to walk Noah today. Well, why didn't you get a walk? Yeah. Right? And and yeah. you would be feeling that times a million, yeah. right? Even my dogs as well. I'm like, I didn't yeah. get the dogs to the beach today and they're kind of like yeah. looking at me. But um, oh, characteristics, 
definitely my patience. I'm a very impatient person, very, very impatient. Um, so I think I've, I've had to learn how to be patient. Also, um, not every, I can't get everything my own way. <laughs> that's, that, that's probably another thing. It's now, that's completely changed. It's all about sort of hunty. Um, Do you have any advice? So, because, you know, um, you're in business and now you're a mother, right? So, what, what advice would you give potentially people in, in the same position or maybe that could, that could be their future? You will never be on time ever again. <laughs> you will be late to everything. Um, no, it's, it's probably oh, advice. It's to definitely have in business a good support network around you. It's to have, I've, luckily I've got my parents. They moved down to Melbourne mm-hmm. um, and they found out they're having a granddaughter. So, definitely having a good support network um and honestly you can still do it with the baby like you can you can do anything do you you think it's it's to do with the fact that you need to like you need to um, build the infrastructure right so you need to get the people and you need to hire staff you need to let go and this is probably just that next revolution for you absolutely so i think as soon as i sort of told everyone at work i was having a baby um we sort of, everyone sort of just sort of started pulling their weight and we just all gearing up for me to sort of take three months off. I only ended up taking two weeks off. <laughs> um, and it was very, very, very stressful, I think, for everyone. Those sort of a couple of weeks before I actually had Hunty, mm-hmm. um, I was very stressed out. That I was going to be leaving the business. I wasn't, wouldn't be able to come in. Um, and I think everyone felt that pressure. But it's definitely just having a plan. Um, I plan my day sort of every night before the next day, I get everything ready, like you need to be organised, so I get all my bags ready for the next day. Um, and you're sort of just, your expectations as well, like sometimes you're not going to make it in time for a meeting, just letting people know, you know, you've you got your baby. Um, but definitely, definitely, you hit the nail on the head. It's it's sort of setting up to have that baby, and I think the girls at South Street really helped me with that. Yeah, amazing. I think the highlight that we can make is that, you know, I think any business, no matter what your circumstance, so... It really is about being able to let go and get the right people around you yeah. and start to, to build that out. And that's one of the biggest learning curves you go through. And I'm excited to see because you, you, got, you got some big plans. So I'm really excited to see how that works for you. And, yeah. and you obviously, you know, how motherhood changes changes things and, and how you adapt. So it's going to be yeah. it's going to be great to see. We're going to dive into quick fire. Cool. Ooh. Okay. So, so <laughs> now you're under the pump. Nah, so quick. This is basically... Um, Short, sharp questions that you know we've we've kind of done a bit of research into, and and you know um, giving your perspective because as 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 much as we sometimes we don't think people want to hear it, um, they do, right? Because you're doing great things. So um, we're going to get those up on the screen, and and I'll I'll ask you those. Now I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, what is your one wish for the f- for future women in business? Oh, that's a good question. What is your one wish for future women in business? My one wish would be... God, that's a hard question. Definitely to be kind to each other and... Now you put me on the spot. (laughs) Um... Do you think it would be do you, like so? What about some of the your past experiences? So, what do you wish for from from that standpoint? Um, honestly, not to take shit. 
just just don't take shit from any from nobody. Um, just just be your own boss and just go for it. Um, I think a lot of a lot of women hold back and men as well hold back and you know fear of being criticised, whatever, and just just turn all that criticism into constructive um, criticism and then just do your own thing anyway. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so this is an interesting one, right? Because because I, I look at your story and I think the one the thing that maybe ter- changed everything for you is your ability to take the leap on your on your idea on your passion. So so, what piece of advice would you give people who who are yet to take that leap? Biggest advice, um, it's not easy. Like it is not easy. You are going to put your heart and soul into this. If it's going to work, it's time, it's effort, it's money. It's like, do not go into it thinking it's easy because it's not. It is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And to this day, it's still hard. You know, I'm still learning. I'm still growing every single day. Have good days, have bad days. Um, yeah, it'll just, it'll be to not go into it thinking it's easy. Is it worth it? It is so worth it. It is so worth it. And you'll be, you know, at the start, you'll be judged, you'll be criticised, you'll be, people will fall out of you because you're not fun anymore, you don't go out drinking, but at the end of the day, you know, you're the one that's winning, so. Awesome. I love that. Okay, so what's the one thing you think people shouldn't forget when starting a business? Probably the last thing I said, Um, but also... Why do you do what you do? Right, like, why do you push yourself? Because I, I absolutely love it. it. It when I'm designing clothes and I'm making clothes, it's kind of clothes that I'd wear. So it's just just that that passion. Um, so I think, yeah, just never never forget why you started. I guess it's probably a very yeah. cliche cliche it one. It is, but, but it's. I think it's so true, right? Like, don't like. It's it's very easy in business when tough times come and, and obstacles arise. It's very easy to forget why you actually got into this in the first place. Why yeah. you like for me that question is never forget you know, never forget why you started. Never never forget why you love it. Yeah. And focus on what you love. Yeah. You know, and, and do the things you love to do. Do the things that excite you. Because it's, you know, you have to be doing those things in order to for it to be sustainable. Like, yeah. you know, imagine you, like, imagine you doing what you're doing now and you didn't like designing. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> it would be a tough job. That would be a tough job. Yeah. So, yeah. I think, like, that's, that's one of those things and, and I think everyone needs to remember is do what you love and, and more importantly, remember what you love as you're building your business because it's very easy to forget. Absolutely. Absolutely. And honestly, another thing on that as well is just don't take things personally as well. That's one thing I've learned in business is just to sort of... What do you mean by that? Um, so you, I think how, how you're dealing with a lot of different people, like customers, um, even like delivery people, um, people like employees, um, and people can sort of project and you can take things on board, like you can take things really personally, you can make you feel really upset, mm. like, you know, certain emails you get, whatever, it's just not take it personally, like it's not you, it's... That's such a, that's, I mean, that's that's some really good advice because I think one thing as a, as a business owner is you're so emotionally attached to, mm-hmm. to what, to your own baby, to your own business and you often forget that you just don't know what someone else is going through, right? They could yep. be having a bad day. They could be having a bad week. Absolutely. They could be going through problems and, and so on. And um, and then, you know, 
that if you take that on board yourself and you, you kind of take on that energy, that can reflect in the decisions you make and the things that you do. 100%. Yeah. Awesome. I've got one more. Ooh, what has played the biggest role in South Street success thus far? I think my dedication. I think it's my work ethic. And I think a lot of people have actually said it to me. It's like I admire your work ethic. I think I've given South Street my whole life. I've I, To start South Street, I stopped everything. I stopped, as I said before, socialising. I stopped spending money. stopped going out drinking. I stopped... Um, absolutely everything I've lost a lot of friends on the way I've had broken relationships um it's funny though right the people who 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 you know should be there usually are still there yeah right absolutely. oh yeah absolutely and I'll have I'll have friends I haven't spoken to in months that I used to sort of you know be really good friends with and then you just get a random message just been like just thinking of you um you know, can see you're hustling, can't wait to catch up. And they, they're always there. They're always clapping with your successes. And and it's interesting. Buying. It's not always the ones that you were closest with, no, right? Like no. sometimes it's the ones that were, cl- you know, you mentioned it before, is like the journey of business, because there is a lot of sacrifice involved, usually means that some people can take it personally. Um, and the const, you know, like it, it's, it's weird. Like, you know, you kind of, uh, I'm in the same boat. Like, you know, two, three years later, you kind of like, some people are really happy for you. Some people are really are still really sour, and it's it's usually the ones that you you don't suspect, right? Oh, that, that are ones absolutely. that are the ones that actually care and 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 kind of just accept you for what you're doing, and and that relationship with them never changes, yeah. right? It's like you know we all have that person who we haven't seen in a year or two years, yeah. and it's like as soon as you see them, it's like boom, boom, you know, yeah, like absolutely. it's like it's still kind of yeah. the relationship hasn't changed. It's not awkward. It's not hard to talk to them. Yeah. And they're just happy for you that you're doing your own thing, that you're happy and that you're successful. And and they're the people you want to surround yourself absolutely. with. Absolutely. And um, it's it's a shame that some of the closest people to you can be the you know the people that sort of back off and they aren't the ones that are clapping. So. What what what's your do you I mean so do you have any advice around that right so so how did you deal with that? Um. Because you, you said your dedication, so were you just like head down, like yeah. I've got a vision and I'm going to achieve it? Absolutely. I, I was kind of, there was, n- there was no stopping me. There was absolutely no stopping me. Um, I remember going to a, someone's birthday party once and I, there was a girl there that just gave me so much shit because I hadn't, hadn't been going out drinking. I remember like leaving in tears because mm. they were just being quite bitchy and um, it was literally because I was working and I, I just don't think she liked that. I sort of just pushed everyone sort of away and I was working my own thing. But then it was a couple of months ago and she actually messaged me. She's like, I'm so sorry. South Street is, is such a cool brand. So sorry for, you know, acting like that. And to me, that was just like, you know. And that's usually how it goes, right? Yeah. Like, and I think that's a, a good message for anyone is like, you said it, don't take things personally. But I think more so is that if you have a vision and you believe in something, you know, that's a selfish endeavour and it has to be. Yeah. Because absolutely. for you to get that to where you want to get to, get it to, sorry, you know, you have to put in that work and some people aren't going to be happy with it. Yeah. But it's always those people who come back to you yeah. and turn around and say, I'm sorry or congratulations. Yeah, absolutely. And, the, and, and they, it, it happens, you know. Like I, I was the same, you know. I was the larrikin in the group. I was the party boy in the group. Yeah. I, was the go- I was that guy. And then I completely shut it all off. You know, I didn't drink for, I think, 12 months. And, yeah. and I, you know, now I probably do once or twice a year. Yeah. Right? And, and people come back 
and they and it's usually the ones who who were a bit sour at the time yeah. and they they kind of they do come around so if you're going through that at the moment and it is something you struggle with keep going yeah. right keep and going. don't uh, stop don't, don't stop. stop for nobody just keep going yeah awesome absolutely all right rock and roll Harl, I want to say a massive thank you for coming on the show. I think um, what you're doing is very inspirational and I think um, there's a lot of people that are going to listen to this and they're going to get something massive out of it, right? And that's Beautiful. that you can, you know, if you've got an idea and something you're passionate about, you can take that leap. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you can do it as a mother. You, you know, there's a lot of things that you're doing that you should be really proud of. Um, and I think that, as I said, there's going to be a lot of people that listen to this and, and, you know, hopefully you're the inspiration that allows them to start, you know, chasing their passion as well. Thank you. And can I just add on that as well? So there's been absolutely no background experience with fashion design. So you honestly, like, you can do anything. You really can because I don't know how to draw. I don't know how to stitch or, you know, different fabrics. I've taught myself along the way. So just honestly, just go for it. If you're passionate, you're going to put the work in. You've got the time. Just do it. Amazing. What we'll do, we'll get we'll give... So where can people find you? Where can people find the brand? What's your website? We'll kind of we'll plug South Street. Do you want me to give them to you now? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So um, website is www.southstreet.com.au um, and our Instagram is at south.st yep. um, and my personal Instagram is at Harley Ray with two A's. Awesome, awesome! It's a, I, guys. I, I wear I wear these I wear these these clothes like <laughs> religiously. So um, I'm a massive fan. So definitely go check them out. They got some. Just I, I love it. It's comfy. It's stylish. Um, I'm pretty sure I've got some photo shoots with some of them on as well, just from our previous episodes. But go check it out, guys. And um, more importantly, you know, um, take a lot away from this because I think what Hales is doing, as I said, is is very inspirational. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Thanks again, Hal, for coming on. Uh, and we'll see you guys on the other side. See ya. <laughs>